Well, welcome to another Acoustic Alternatives. This one's a little different. We had a, a recording that didn't go quite the way we had planned uh, back uh, a few weeks back. This particular session brought to you by David Palmer, the associate broker realtor serving clients in the city of Detroit and throughout the region, uh, is being kind of redone because the portion of the interview that I was doing wasn't actually being sent through the mixer. So uh, my good friends in the Accidentals were kind enough to join me again, <laughs> and uh, they're currently, as we're recording, in Boston, right? Yeah, yes. in Cambridge, technically, but, um, but yeah, we're at an Airbnb, and we're taking a couple days off here. Yeah, we're halfway through the tour. Well, I'm sure it's going well. I've seen some uh, Facebook posts about it, and, and I'm I'm happy to see that you've got some great nights with Sawyer Fredericks happening out there. And I hope the album is selling. I hope that people are actually stopping by the merch table and remembering that that's one of the ways you guys are making a living is selling merchandise. <laughs> yeah, we've actually sold a lot of our vinyl, which just came in thanks to Archer Records in Detroit. So now we have like limited edition orange vinyl, and yeah, we're really hey. really excited about it. It sounds yeah. great. We sold like. 15 Michigan and again mugs in falling wow. New York the other day. What? But we had to beg. That's why that's how that happened. We were like, please Spreading take these the mugs. We keep breaking them on the road. Please buy all of them. And so a bunch of falling New York people have Michigan and again mugs now. <laughs> well darn it, I should have grabbed one when I saw you a month ago I think or we so. Have one more. We were gonna break it with a baseball bat, but I think no. we'll see it for you. So no. Do what you gotta do. If it's if it's a stress relief for you, do what you gotta do. <laughs> Find other ways to cope. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get into the interview the interview in a minute, but I do want people to hear the performances that took place in the studios at Grove Studios in Ypsilanti in the larger room down the hall. You'll get to see what it looks like in uh, different parts of the uh, the Grove Studios instead of the usual podcast studio. So you think you started with Vessel? Is that what we remembered? Uh, what did we start with? Vessel? Is that what we thought? We started with the line, actually. All right. Well, then here's the accidentals doing the line on Acoustic Alternatives. All right, this song is called The Line, and this is also off of our Vessel record. And thanks for being here at the album release show. This is so exciting. Appreciate y'all. Thank you. 
This week's Acoustic Alternatives, I'm joined by the Accidentals, who are supporting a brand new album called Vessel. You can't see me moving because I'm having a little trouble with my, my Zoom camera, but uh, they are currently with me in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts, and uh, we're going to repeat what we did. So I'm sorry for the repeat questions. It's going to be the same interview in its own little way. And uh, I did spend some time speaking to each and every one of you uh, in person. And what we're also going to miss is the fact that I changed t-shirts in the middle of the interview. Nobody was going to get to see that either. <laughs> you were nice enough to give me a new t-shirt, but uh, well, we don't need the audio for that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the video. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It was a funny moment that no one's ever going to see. You guys didn't even notice. It didn't matter. It was only funny to me, but mm. I, I find it funny in retrospect. That's all it jokes age like wine. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny today. So Sav, Sav Bice, we're going to start with you as we did in, in the interview in the original. Nashville now is currently your home, right? You're returning to your roots because you were born there. Is that right? I was. Yeah, my parents met there both playing music. Um, my mom was an R&B singer, is an R&B singer, and my dad is a multi-instrumentalist. So they met playing gigs in Nashville and then relocated to Michigan and said, no, thank you, music industry. And then I said, I want to play music. So now I'm back in Nashville. <laughs> oh, well, multi-instrumentalist also describes you. Violin, guitar, bass, mandolin, banjo. You're also a singer-songwriter and an audio engineer. That's what you're trained in, correct? Uh, yeah, I went to uh, Northwestern Michigan College for audio tech. And um, yeah, that was a great program. They had one of the first Raven consoles, which is like a big touchscreen console. So it was, it was a good time. I learned a lot. 
I learned a lot from recording our album too, which we actually we recorded ninety percent of our new album Vessel up in my attic, which we oh. turned into a studio. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of learning, a lot of college applied knowledge there. <laughs> so of the instruments that you play, which one was your first and which one is your favorite? Violin was my first. Um, I started that in grade school because um, we have a really great music program up in northern Michigan and uh, they introduce you to instruments at an early age. And I also really like upright bass. I love playing upright bass. It's basically like an upside down violin. So um, I have a lot of fun playing around with that. Very cool. What drives you to play and write at this point in your life? I mean, playing probably as a kid was just one of those things you almost had to do with your, your musical background family there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I think music is a is sort of a form of free therapy for a lot of people. You know, a lot of the time I was writing songs for myself to help process my thoughts and say things that I couldn't really say aloud because I'm an introvert. So it was a it was a good way to kind of put those feelings and thoughts into fruition. Um, but you know, now I'm realizing that it also is a great way to make you less alone. Like a lot of the times music connects with other people too, and they're always looking for something they can latch onto and feel without having to put it into words all the time. So that's kind of what drives me at this point is creating little communities and, you know, making sure that everybody has something they can latch onto. I can't tell you how many times I've connected with another songwriter's words and meant, oh my gosh, you wrote what I was thinking. How did you do that? I'm sure you've had people come up to, sh to you at shows and say something similar to that. Yeah, yeah, it's been really sweet. Um, you know, a lot of the songs are about mental health and, you know, a lot of the songs on the Vessel album are kind of about grief as well and loss. And so it's been um, really amazing talking to other people who have experienced similar trials in life. And, you know, in a way you can kind of heal more because of the, the conversations that you start with these people. So, Well, what comes first for you when you're writing the message of the song or the melody? Mm, uh, I think for me, it's it changes every time. You know, a lot of songs I'll start by having a couple of sticky notes in my phone with some lines that I feel like might be cool to use later. And then I'll sit down with my guitar and start to, start to do it all at the same time. It's like, like throwing every ingredient into the recipe, which I'm sure doesn't always yield a great dish, but <laughs> every once in a while you get it right. Right. Uh, and so you and Katie Larson, who we're going to speak to next, started the band when you guys were in high school? Yeah, we were 15 and 16 in our orchestra program. You want to talk more about that? Yeah, we were um, kind of like two really nerdy students who lived next to each other, like growing up and still never talked to each other because we were too shy. And then we kind of crossed paths a little bit in like our wedding quartet that we played in after school, but we still didn't really know each other. And then... Finally, um, it was like a homework assignment for the alternative styles group where we would, you know, jam on Led Zeppelin and Coldplay after school, where Sav and I were the only two people in the entire class who volunteered. And um, that's how we really got to know each other and really bonded quickly over um, just different music. Like Sav introduced me to a lot of folk music and we started listening to the White Stripes and we both loved Andrew Bird mm. um, and Sufjan Stevens and just all sorts of kind of indie folk crossover. And Traverse City was home for you until recently as well, right? Until the end of the tour, <laughs> technically. Yeah, it's really funny. Yeah, Traverse City, you know, is, is definitely where where we grew up. Um, I was born in Wisconsin, technically, but only lived there for like three years. And 
uh, it'll be really interesting getting off this tour. We end on November 3rd in Nashville, and I'm going to be moving into a house that my boyfriend's at that I've never seen before. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I'll unpack my bags, and then I'll be um, in, a new, in a new home. Wow. So, but, you know, we usually say that. But we kind of still split our time between Michigan and Nashville, and, and that was the goal ever since the beginning of 2020. But, of course, we ended up spending a lot of uh, quarantine up in uh, Michigan with our families where we did all the recording. Mm-hmm. You're an interlocking grad. You're a guitar player, cello, vibraphone, ukulele. And did I miss yeah. anything there? Oh, accordion. vibraphone? You play vibraphone I... on Vessel and accordion. Yeah, I guess I could – I mean, you could say I play vibraphone, but really I just – donked on like like a triad here or there for vessel vessel on vessel it's it's reversed (laughs) so it's actually reversed and played with but yeah it's on there it's because we were referencing uh sarah jaffe who's like a really great songwriter Mm -hmm. from texas who uh, we like covered her song clementine for our live album and when we were working with john congleton to start the album like he, we said, we love Sarah. We love what you did with her work. And he's like, okay, well, let me pull out the vibraphone then and we can <laughs> replicate some of that. So that's mm-hmm. how it ended up on Vessel. Yeah, I noticed that. I was peeking around on all the albums to see what everybody played. So I noticed as well, five of the songs on Vessel are yours. When did you first start writing songs? Um, I started writing songs um, probably when I was around the age of like 11 or 12. And it definitely started music first I I got a guitar for like as a Christmas present when I was a kid and I picked it up and like tried to play and my fingers just hurt so bad Mm. and I'm such a perfectionist I couldn't hold the chords down so I said I'm giving up like enough of this um but then you know my dad is a, a composer so he showed me how to use some computer programs like Finale and uh I really got to explore like all these different instruments and like come up with cool like harp parts and hear them and play back on the computer and mm. um yeah it's just very freeing to do that and I ended up like making up a lot of random songs and just the satisfaction of like hearing them on a computer and then like exporting and like putting them on my iPod and seeing my name under it I was like this is <laughs> like such a satisfying feeling like uh, Release the EP. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we really like weird MIDI experimental stuff. Um, But I actually started writing song lyrics when I picked up guitar again um, in middle school. I was probably writing like when I was about, you know, 13 years old. So before you met Sav, you were writing songs. Nice. She's who inspired me to start writing songs. I was writing really angsty, like weird punk and folk songs <laughs> alone in my room that I never, never intended to play for anyone until I met Sav. And Sav was like, hey, we should uh, we should play some music together. And then I, was, I slowly got over my stage fright, uh, having someone to sing with. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm thinking of Billy Bragg, because Billy Bragg is sort of the folk singer inspired by Woody Guthrie and The Clash. So yeah. If, yeah, yeah. if you don't know his stuff, you should you should go back and listen to some of it. It's more politically charged than you guys are, but just kind of fits in that same mold of, you know, not really true folk. Mm-hmm. Definitely less so today. So your musical soulmate was was born so far away from you. What are your uh, how do you guys find each other? I guess it's just kind of random, I guess. But, what are the similarities in your in your personalities that brought you together at that time? Do you remember? Ah. <laughs> I'm ah. slapping because we're we're very similar, but also very different people at the same yeah, time. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I think like a lot of people maybe try to start bands in in high school or or whatnot, but 
I think for Sav and I, it was more like the differences that really brought us together, but also just the fact that we are like extreme overachievers. And I think in school, I mean, we were very like focused on academics and thought we would go down a very different path, but we were like, whatever we did, we like gave it our all, like all the time. And I think we applied that to music once we started um, gigging, you know, we like, we wanted everything to be as good as we could make it and, and just try whatever we could. Well, you know, and we were acquaintances when we first started the band. Like, she just came over to rehearse for the Alternative Styles for Strings Club, and then next thing you know, we're playing the White Stripes together. Like, it's not, we're going to be friends, and it just kicked oh. off like, oh, we should, like, maybe play music Very together. So we hardly knew each other all that well. <laughs> and, you know, we've really just become tight over time, and I think also part of it is that neither of us really are... Um, you know, demanding for a, for a front role yeah. or, you know, trying to outpace each other. I think it's always been very collaborative and just a, really just a, a partnership and a team. Yeah, that's a good point. We always take care of each other, so helps well, a lot. And we've, we've expanded that circle, obviously. I was going to say two and a half years into your celebrating 10 years today or this month, I guess, or recently month, anyway. Yeah. Michael Dowsey is uh, the newest member. So I don't know. I'm not sure if he's the newest member because you have a bass player we haven't spoken to yet. Is she technically mm. a member? We're going to find out. So Michael, <laughs> you're living in Grand Rapids these days. I know you're from Northville originally because I remember the first time that I met you. For some reason, you were excited to meet me. Uh, but that you had been listening to the radio station that I was at at the time. You're like, oh my God, you're John Bomberito. like, yeah. And you're Michael from the Accidentals. <laughs> so uh, what brings you to Grand Rapids these days? Um, I was just, you know, ready to ready to make a move. I think um, a lot of the musicians that we collaborate with as well are, are sort of uh, out of the west side of the state. And, you know, then it was kind of centrally located, you know, two hours to Traverse City, two hours to home. And, you know, just I thought it just kind of seemed like a, a good natural move. And I've been I've been loving it. It's it's nice to, you know, be close to the lake and, and to be around a lot of uh, really interesting people. So, yeah, I've been I've been really enjoying the move over there. And when did you find yourself as part of this band? Was it just like I sat in once and then suddenly I was in the band? Is that how it turned out? <laughs> well, so I met Sav and Katie at a music festival back in 2013. Um, and then I was like a huge fan. They had just put out their Bittersweet record. And mm -hmm. there were some tunes on that record that I just absolutely loved. And we just ended up talking uh, for the next year and started to become friends. And uh, by the summer of 2014, they were like, hey, we're looking for a drummer for some shows for about a month. Uh, do you mm -hmm. want to come up and, and play? And I knew like all of their songs already. So <laughs> I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> like, That's well, convenient. <laughs> when I, yeah, when do I start? Uh, so I, I came up and I, I played for that month and then at the end of that month they were like well we think we're gonna do this you know for a while so do you want to drop out of school and <laughs> uh, you know come on the road and i was like yeah absolutely uh, at the time i was going to belmont university in nashville um and i was you know trying to be a professional musician so i was like well maybe this is a chance to see what that's like and so i took the opportunity and it's been almost, it'll be eight years, I think, next summer. So it's about seven and a half years wow. that I've been with the band. You're not wearing it today, but you have a lot of shirts to say Tuesday. Why do you have a lot of shirts to say Tuesday? <laughs> I do. Um, it's so... funny because we were talking about not being politically charged, but here we go. Well, yeah. and I, don't, I don't even know if it's super political. Not it's really. just kind of doing civic duties. But uh, there was a point where I kind of my thing was that I would wear a shirt with whatever day of the week 
uh, it was on yeah. to shows because I just thought that was kind of fun. And it then is I fun. didn't also have to think about what I was going to wear that day. Um, <laughs> it's so like writing it in your underwear, crazy. right? Yeah, These are my exactly. Tuesday underwear. There you go. But then as things started to, to heat up uh, around election times and around midterms and things like that, uh, we kind of repurposed the Tuesday shirts to be, um, you know, go out and vote, register to vote on Tuesday because we all know that the, what is it, this first Tuesday in November is mm -hmm. uh, usually the, the voting day. So correct. it just kind of worked for that. So yeah, I think I own like eight shirts that say Tuesday now, just because I, <laughs> we were, we were doing a lot of, a lot of stuff behind that. And so, yeah. yes, I have quite, quite a few Tuesday shirts. And it's not the band, not the band no. Tuesday. No, well, and there's not the, the band Thursday. Either. Yeah, there's yeah. there's a band Thursday too, which is like a, I think they're like a post-hardcore band or something. And uh, sometimes when I would wear the Thursday shirt, people would be like, "Oh yes," and I'm like, <laughs> "I just like the day of the week." <laughs> yeah, I just think the day is cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, what drew you to drums at an early age? I honestly don't really have a, a good clue. I was kind of playing drums before I knew how to like speak i think i used to like pull all of the pots and pans out of the cupboards in the kitchen and just like go ham on them with some like wooden spoons and things and i think my parents got tired of having to like clean all of the pots and pans <laughs> after i would throw them all over the floor yeah uh, so when i was like four years old um my parents and my my grandpa who uh was a jazz musician in like the 50s and 60s they got together and got me my first uh drum set when i was four years old for christmas so I've been I've been playing ever since. Hopefully they don't regret this now that you're on the road all the time. <laughs> oh no, not at all. You're not They're just a drummer. Oh, sorry. You're not just a drummer though. You're also guitar, bass, piano, which you all you played all those things on The Sound of Self-Destruction, your 2016 release. Yeah, I've got a few solo projects that I work on as well when we're not on the road and touring and um, I've been working on uh, being more and more of an audio engineer as well. Um, and so I feel like my solo projects are more of me just tinkering with recording and sound engineering in general. So you put on a couple of things in 2020 20 and 2021. Yeah, I, I put out a, a solo record under the name Tree Skin uh, in February of 2020. And then this summer, uh, my friend Ben Travers and I released an album of sea shanties that we had been oh, working wow. on for I a couple of years. So yeah, so we're, I'm just kind of all over the place. <laughs> I just like to I just like to try a bunch of different kind of musical ideas. It's, it's super fun to just kind of hop around. Very nice. And so one other member is in the room. Is she a member of the band? Tell me. Where? Where? <laughs> Hi, I'm Patty. Hi, um, Patty. So I'm around for this tour for Vessel. And anytime you want. Whenever <laughs> whenever they put the, the, the patch signal up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you were kind enough uh, to share your album with me when I was in the studio with me. It's a really good rock record. Thank you. Yeah, um, I'm very loud, and um, normally I'm I'm in front, um, and you know, doing the whole like yelling at people from every brewery in Michigan thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm kind of taking a step back a little bit and like exploring um, electric guitar, which is not something that I I I don't usually play lead very often. I'm like bass is my home. Mm -hmm. But then they were like, "Well, oh, you want to play guitar?" And I said, "Sure." And then Katie <laughs> had to teach me a bunch of stuff. <laughs> Um, but it's, it's feeling more natural every, every day. So <laughs> I also learned octave mandolin and 25 songs while fronting your own project wow. on a record. So a lot. Yeah. How, how, how did Patty get to be part of the circle and, and will she stay for future tours? Should I ask her? Yeah. I mean, 
Pretty much. I don't know how I got here. I'm just glad. <laughs> we found out. So we did know about Patty for Shayla thanks to local spins. You know, John Sink has been doing a lot of write-ups on the local Michigan music scene. He's great. And so, you know, we saw your name in an article, and we were like, wow, who is this amazing person who can play multiple instruments? We're looking for somebody who can fill out some of the parts on Vessel, because once we got done with the record, it was like, oh... I'm playing bass, mandolin, and violin on the song, and I have to choose one. And Kate's mm. playing electric guitar and cello on the song, and she has to choose one. We're out of hand. So uh, Patty came in and just really, you know, we called and asked if you'd be interested. We did a Zoom call. We talked about D&D for like 25 minutes, and then we knew it was going to be a good fit. So cool. Uh, Patty came up for like six rehearsals while we were all still doing shows. We would like go to South Carolina, come home, and play, you know, rehearse again. And so it was just a crazy time, but... Um, but the shows were about like 13 shows in on this run, and it's so tight. It's so, so good and so fun. Well, welcome to the fold, Patty. It's good to have you. We should go to another song now. What was the next song you did? Was it? So we did Vessel next. Did Vessel. All right. The Accidentals have joined me today on Acoustic Alternatives. Stretches on empty spaces all day long. We'll shed a silence when we're done. Cause I'm your vessel and you're my soul.
The Accidentals on Acoustic Alternatives. So glad to have them rejoining me as we redid this interview after the uh, interview portion that was recorded didn't quite work out. And I do want to thank my sponsor, David Palmer, the associate broker realtor who serves the clients of City of Detroit and the region. He specializes in helping first-time home buyers and those selling a home who are still recovering from their experience with a past agent. If you had a bad experience, David can help you out with that. You can read testimonials about David's work at dcpalmer.com. He's also quite adept at estate sales and downsizing. If you're near my age, I'm in my mid-50s almost, ugh, you may already have had to struggle with the passing of a loved one and being left to decide what to do with a lifetime of stuff belonging to your parents. Many of us have been thinking about when the inevitable happens, what am I going to do? Well, David Palmer can help. He's your solution. He'll walk you through the steps and with your permission, help you manage the third parties whose services you will need. I've known him for years. He's a really great human being. I'm really, really grateful for his support. He's a music fan, which is why he's supporting me. He likes what I do. And I encourage you strongly to check out dcpalmer.com to see how he can help you or someone you know buy or sell a home. David Palmer is associated with Realty Experts LLC, 1420 Washington, number 301, Detroit, Michigan, 48226-313-759-9558. Thanks for letting me squeeze that in there, guys. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, happy 10 years again, uh, more of a rock band than when you started out. If I played Clearly Confused from your early record, Next to Count the Rings, or, or anything really from Vessel, they sound like different bands. Is this a natural evolution for you guys? Yeah, I think we've always been, you know, experimenting with different genres and styles. Um, you can always hear our roots in that we play violin and cello on almost every single song we've ever written and recorded. Uh, the only difference, I think, is that you can't, on some of the songs on Vestal, you can't hear an acoustic guitar anywhere. So <laughs> that's, you know, that's sort of the natural progression for us. We, we're always wanting to try new things. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, this is, um, <clears throat> this is the album we've been wanting to make for a very, very long time. I think even, even very early on, uh, you know, we were experimenting with all these different uh, instruments, like electric guitars and uh, everything, but now that we finally have, uh, you know, the right team, we have Michael, we have all this knowledge that we've picked up from these fantastic producers we've had the chance to work with, and um, the audio technology under these guys' belt, and also um, just the gear from our sponsors. Mm -hmm. So all that together, I think, and 10 years of, of playing music like this, I think has finally got us to the point. We have the resources and we had the time to make exactly what we wanted it to sound like. Yeah. And it's fantastic, by the way. Did I mention that? No, I haven't mentioned that. Appreciate it. Yeah, we'll put that on our website. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic, quote. <laughs> uh, while you're playing your live sets anymore, do songs from the older catalog like Miso Soup ever make it into the live set? Does that ever happen? We, we just did that song for a VIP meet and greet. Uh, we've been doing these pre-show hangs with people and we play some of the songs from the old catalog, but we also have some songs from Bittersweet in our live show. Ghost of a Lie, we haven't played for years. And mm -hmm. now that we have somebody holding it down on bass <laughs> while Kate can solo on a lead electric, it's just been really fun to bring that stuff back and, you know, give it the love it deserves. So, yeah, every once in a while, you'll hear stuff. You just have to go to enough shows. Yeah, follow you around. Uh -huh. be, an, be an accidental head, like a, a dead head. <laughs> for is sure. That, is that a thing? Yeah, <laughs> why not? Well, Traverse City is a lovely place, and I find it hard to, I mean, I understand, but. Why, why are you going to Nashville? I mean, is it for the obvious reasons? Because that's the hub of a lot of music? You know, Billy Strings and Lindsay Lou have been representing Michigan down in Nashville for quite some time now. And it's, you know, it's kind of 
like we're trying to build representation for the state in various places you know the homes away from home. down there too now yep. Warren Treaty are down there as Rachel well Rachel Davis yeah well plus um you know May Earlywine has been doing some co-writes with some Nashville artists Sweetwater Warblers a bunch of them are down there so yep. you know it makes sense to you know follow the community where it takes you and a lot of these people took us under their wing when we were really young and mm -hmm. first learning how to play music so it makes sense to hang with the people who raised you in some ways but you know again i think um representing michigan is is something that we're definitely trying to do and you know we're down there to do session work and to do co-writing and you know have a little space to build those relationships further you know we started doing co-writes with Kim Ritchie and Tom Paxton and Mary Gaucher, Jamie Harris, Maya Sharp. There's more with Gretchen Peters and Beth Nielsen Chapman that are going to make it on the EP session two. So, you know, there's a lot of relationships that are, we're starting to build down there and it feels, feels like a natural progression, but we'll always come home, especially in the summertime. I mean, how can you resist uh, yeah. summertime in Michigan? No. So. Well, hopefully you won't leave us behind and forget that we're your home. Like you're going to say you're from time. Michigan. Yeah, we no, live- only part-time in Nashville anyway. Okay. My parents okay. still live in Michigan, so I'm okay. going to have to come home eventually. Well, tell me what part of your story that Moxie Strings features in, figures into, not features into, figures into. Moxie Strings, I know, are an important part of what you guys ended up doing later. Yeah, the Moxie Strings, um, Diana and Allie, came to do a workshop. So they are amazing musicians and performers, entertainers, and also teachers. So... Um, they came to our public high school orchestra program, I think 2011. 2011. Yeah, and and taught uh, a workshop for our class. And at the time, um, I was really uncomfortable with improvisation. I could barely, like, I could only read what was on the page in front of me. And um, one of their missions was to teach uh, students to be more fearless when it came to improv and taking on different styles. So Allie plays electric cello. and. Diana like can rip up a fiddle solo and you know once we watched them perform that was a huge inspiration for us deciding hey like why not like why not be a band you know like we can literally watch two strong women doing it why not us try so I think um you know afterwards Sav and I started gigging and really tried to also carry on what they do with workshops because mm -hmm. it was so impactful to us so now when we go on tour, we stop in, you know, anywhere from like elementary schools to like colleges and talk about uh, strings or songwriting or improvisation or music business and just try to, you know, share some of the behind the scenes from uh, the music industry. Yeah. If people are interested in booking you for that, can they do that? Yeah, you can check out more information at our website, bxnellsmusic.com. Very cool. Now, we were talking about the co-writes just a bit ago, all the people you worked with and have worked with and plan to work with. Do you guys set those up? Does your management set that up? Is there a booking agent that's saying, I think you should do this? To, I mean, who, how is that happening? It's just kind of a... Yeah, we have a whole team that we've kind of spent the last 10 years building. And, you know, it's definitely changed a lot in that time. But we have a booking agent and we work with Fleming Artists out of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Mm -hmm. And we also work with, you know, a whole business team of people, um, and so, yeah, definitely just go through our website. We all look at the same email address every day. We're all logged into it. So we all are in the loop. And, you know, to touch on that a little bit, Kate and I have been DIYing it, you know, for a very long time. We're independent artists again. Um, so, you know, we're very involved with how, you know, our career is going and the directions we're moving in. So we'll, we're, we're here, we're present, we're 
It's not just a, a void. You don't have to shout into a void. We're here. So your previous two vessel was the EP. We just mentioned timeout session two. You're talking about some of the things that are going to be uh, co-writes on there. Timeout session one featured your co-write with Kim Ritchie. That also made it to Vessel. Now, how did you decide to make one of the songs part of Vessel? Well, I mean, I think we we really wanted to include it in Vessel, but the problem was when we first wrote Wildfire, it just was so timely. You know, we really poured like everything that we were feeling into that song and Kim Ritchie really just cracked us open because we were like unable to write at that time, probably like the summer of 2020. We were just live streaming every day and starting to record Vessel and Kim really, uh, you know, took this beginning of a song that Sav had and it just turned into this beautiful reflection on the isolation that was going on. And so we recorded it um, and really tweaked the production quite a bit. Well, I think it made it onto Vessel too because the whole point of Vessel for us is about perspective. You know, that's the message of the album is looking at things both in hindsight and in the present. And our perspective has changed a lot since when we started working on it in 2018 with John Congleton and Tucker Martin. It was like in 2018, we hadn't even had the trailer stolen. There hadn't been a van accident that took us driving around my car, you know, and there hadn't been a global pandemic. So now the album has a lot of significance in regards to perspective and hindsight and we really felt like that song belonged on it too you know on time out it represents grief and the stages of it on vessel it represents hindsight so we kept it on as a result i'm glad it's there it's an excellent song it's time for another song and i think what you did next was go get her right we did do go get her next yeah love this tune accidentals are featured today on acoustic alternatives this one's called go get her Just 
Go-getter from the Accidentals on Acoustic Alternatives, a very less than acoustic setting this time around in the uh, the Grove Studios in Ypsilanti. We decided to utilize the large studio down the hall from the podcast studio because, well, four people weren't going to fit in the podcast studio, for one thing. Yeah, I mean, you four... were like four songs, and we walked in with like 13 instruments. Yeah. I mean, I was grateful because I, I was not able to go see the show at the Ark the night that you came to visit me. And it was kind of like my little mini personal concert. So thank you for that, by the way. I really enjoyed getting a chance to see it. Um, and Go Getter is I, probably my favorite song on that record. Who wrote the opening line in that one? Because that's that's a favorite line of mine. Grease a sheet yeah. of tinfoil that I crushed inside of me. Reality, the rest, I'm sorry, re really the rest of us, really the rest of the song is very deep and insightful beyond your years. But I want to know that opening line, where that come from? Yeah, so, I mean, this is sad, but um, a friend of mine, my childhood friend, actually passed away uh, from suicide um, mm. in October of 2019. And so that was very hard to process uh, for a really long time. I just stopped writing and being creative. And um, I couldn't figure out why I couldn't put anything down. And I realized that I was not talking about how I was feeling. I was trying so hard to write about anything else that it literally was dodging the problem. It's like trying to fix a, a clogged faucet by just trying to blast more water at it. And, mm. you know, the reality is you just kind of have to poke holes in it until until everything comes flooding out. And so 
um, that line really helped start the whole song and really helped me process, you know, closure where I wasn't going to get it the way that I wanted it. So yeah. it's beautiful. I mean, it's not like pretty beautiful, but lyrically beautiful, like very, it, it reached me. So thank you for that. Thanks for letting it out. Thanks. Tell me about Count the Rings. That's a, it's another one. So that song almost didn't make the record. Um, we, I remember being really late in the process and Michael's like, do you have any other original songs that we can record instead? And I was like, no, this is it. Um, but yeah, I, I think what it really took was, um, you know, we had a week left to finish the record and we ended up just rewriting that entire song from scratch, except for the chorus. We took all the lyrics and we just destroyed them and started over. And um, as a result, it turned out to be a lot more honest. Um, I don't think it's lyrically like, as deep as some of the other stuff on the record, but it's definitely more raw and vulnerable than a lot of the things I feel like are, that are on there. And the production, you know, you really, you really dove headfirst into that and turned it into what exactly what we were going for. Yeah, that was, I think that was the last song we actually ended up recording for the record. And so it was just like one of the, uh, you know, we had really gotten all our tones dialed in and everything. Uh, and yeah, that one, I think that one feels really good to have out too, because I think we were just all fully in it. You know, it's like, oh, by the time we're done, we'll get everything exactly the way we want it to sound. <laughs> um, but no, that one, I, I really enjoyed that song as well. But I think the production, I'm, I'm really happy with how that turned out too. Yeah. High five across Zoom. Nice job. <laughs> I mean, it was me to you, but yeah, cool. <laughs> I did it for you. Thank you. Some of this, that's one of the newer songs on the record then maybe the last one that was written for the record you're saying? You know, I wrote that song originally when I was like 18, wow. um, maybe 19, and then just left it on the shelf for a long time. And then these guys were like, what about that Count the Ring song that you played exactly one time in like 2014? <laughs> and I was like, mm, no, not that one. They're like, no, that one for sure. So, and that happened to Katie a lot of times. So it was, it was yeah. my turn to <laughs> dig up my past and look at the lyrics I wrote when I was a teenager. So, uh, but it was good. I mean, that's why we rewrote it. It just became a lot more about what we're actually going through. And it's, it, it was a big learning curve for, for me, especially lyrically speaking. It's just like, oh, you can use old material. It doesn't have to feel mm -hmm. like going through a scrapbook and seeing like all the embarrassing photos of you as a child. You can actually do something with them. Hang them up. Why not? So many of the songs have been around for years on Vessels. I know you guys actually performed one of them when you came to visit me in Ann Arbor in the studio, performed Damascus Blades back then. It wasn't out yet at the time. Yeah. yeah. And that ended yeah. up showing up on the record. So yep. I wrote wow. that one in a parking lot outside of um, Power Music Festival in Benton, Arkansas. So yeah, all, all these songs are really spanning the past 10 years of yeah. us being a band, being on the road. I think Waste may be the oldest song because that was <laughs> written in like 2013. But you wrote the lyrics. that one from when I like first jumped in. We were starting yeah. to do that one. But yeah, so again, it spans pretty far. Like I said, we were really like waiting to put out this record. We we're like, okay, these songs are going to end up like one way or another. <laughs> but you know, what's nice about the time that we had was we actually had time to rewrite the lyrics or change an arrangement choice or move the production around, you know. You don't always get to sit with a song forever. Sometimes you write the song and it's like, oh, here we go. Like City View I wrote in quarantine and then suddenly we're recording it. It's like, oh boy, all right, here we go. But you know, some of these songs, like we said, are much older and had time to grow and learn and breathe. Well, my praise of you aside, you have to be loving the fact that NPR, Huffington Post, Billboard Magazine have all sung your praises. I mean, you got the arranged strings for BTS, what? I mean, <laughs> what, what is that all about? Yeah. Uh, 
Um, so our sound engineer is good friends with a, a person named Candice Sosa who writes a lot of the songs with BTS. And um, she happened to, we, we happened to meet up in LA and um, I told her that we played strings and if she ever needed string arrangements to give us a call and that's exactly what happened. Um, so we were blown away. We got the tracks and like, I want to say like, early in the day and I remember staying up until five in the morning just making sure everything was solid and good and then sending it back and then pretty soon BTS put it out and we were like well, this is surreal wow. so hopefully the royalty checks come ro rolling in on that <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's that's impressive I was impressed enough when you got Keller Williams to play on a song you wrote with his oh. initials in it that was impressive enough at the time now you've yeah. stepped it up a bit <laughs> cool stuff that was a trade we traded Keller strings on his record for him on our record oh okay i get it well you're not just this up-and-coming band getting tons of well-deserved attention you also do those educational workshops where does that fit into your schedule i mean you have to do those while you're on tour and just kind of squeeze them in yeah yeah we squeeze them in um you it don't really like depends on the tour as well i mean um sometimes you know during 2020 we learned to change a lot of that to virtual um, Sav really deep dived into live streaming and we did a lot of virtual workshops. We did uh, virtual songwriting lessons like in small groups or one-on-one -on, -one on our website. And um, but we also, you know, take full opportunity to do like festivals. I think next year we're going back to like Sisters um, like Folk Fest possibly and just coming to some of these really special places that uh, incorporate that already. But yeah, there are so many schools in the cities that we go to that uh, you know, need help with their music programs. So we try to incorporate that wherever we go. One thing we do is we'll do a workshop early in the day and then we'll have a show that night. So we'll invite all the students who are at the workshop to come to the show and bring their bring their families. And that's, that's really cool because then it shows like, here's us teaching, but then here's us actually doing right. the things that we're teaching, so. Applied knowledge. Yeah. How do you, how do you take this and do something with it? I'm making a living doing this. Look at it, look at me. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You never thought of it that way, did you? No. <laughs> So there was a bad incident. We, we briefly touched on the trailer incident in Arizona, but the good part was 41,000 raised by your fans on GoFundMe. I mean, you're not a household name yet. You, you raised a lot of money from your fans just stepping up. How did that feel? Honestly, it's, that's not the first time that the Michigan community has come around and beyond has come around and helped us get back on our feet uh, when we really needed it. Um, there have been several times where we were like, we want to get to South by, but we don't have the funds. Can, can you help us out? And we would sell things and people always came around and had us funded within like a week. It's, it's always been like that with us. So I, it wasn't surprising to see them do it again, but it was, it, it still broke us in a way. It broke our hearts a little bit. Cause it was just like, like we were really unsure how to proceed after that. We were, we lost like almost everything. So mm. we just didn't know what was next. And, before we even had time to process that, people had already come around and been like, "No, we got you." And I think that's really what—that's really what that community is about. That's that's something very. I won't say it's exclusive to the to the music community, but I will say that it's really special, and especially in Michigan. I mean, that's where a lot of it came from. So. Pretty awesome. Something to be proud of too. Just the fact that you've built that community, just being yourselves, right? You're you're real. You're real. Like you guys are honest and and. and... <laughs> Well, coughing as well <laughs> i noticed as well on this particular album you really upped your game on the promotion the videos look great 
it seems like I'm regularly getting notified of something new available on Bandcamp on a like a weekly basis for a while there. Oh, new single, new single. Even the Ralston Bowles thing, which wasn't part of the whole, anything, unless that's mm. going to be on. Is that going to be on the next sessions, the one you do with Ralston? Yeah, I think there's the thing about having numbers on your sessions is that you can just do so many of them. There are so many numbers, so we can just continue <laughs> to put them out and keep them going. You, are you good? Yep. All right. No choking allowed. We need games. There's so many numbers. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we'll we'll hopefully have have you know a chance to put out all the co-writes because there are tons. I mean, we've also got a co-write in the works with Roger Cook who wrote the. I'd like to teach the world oh, to sing. Yeah. That was magical. So we're really excited to put that out. And, you know, there's lots of co-writes, you know, Gary Burr and Georgia Middleman we were working with as well. And it's just the stuff that we've been writing has really helped us continue creatively, even especially during that time of isolation and quarantine where we really felt like we couldn't write or do anything alone. So, you know, we're excited to put out the material that helped get us through it and also the material that continues beyond that. All right, one at a time. We'll start with Michael's because he's on my left on the screen. What's one thing you love about your bandmates? Oh, Aww. Um, let me think. Uh oh. There's a lot of things. <laughs> oh no, I'm on the spot. Um, let me think here. I think just that they will make sure that if anybody is like having a bad day or not feeling good, like they'll all kind of just go out of their way to make sure that you're feeling better. You know, just in general. So they're they're very thoughtful and kind people. So they're they're very, it's very nice to, to travel with very thoughtful and kind people. I bet Girls. it would be. <laughs> Sav, be a sap here. What's what's one thing you love about your bandmates? Uh, I like that. Um, <laughs> I like that nobody is very um, egotistical or high maintenance. Everybody is very chill, and we're all willing to make sacrifices for each other. And you know, everybody carries the stuff in every night. Um, it, it's that's just a small thing but but that's really just a, a small indicator of how we work as a team and i i love that that team um feeling like the support i guess from everybody it's just nobody has to be like fighting for anything and that's that's cool katie oh i just i like that everyone has a really good sense of humor on this uh everyone in the van just we can Within a few sentences, we'll all be cracking up, and yeah, it's it's a fun time. Patty, you have known them the least amount of time, so you must have like, <laughs> I love everything about them. They're so cool, but I don't know. What's your answer? Yeah, well, I would say my favorite thing is that I learn something different from everybody. Like, I feel like I'm learning a lot about birds in particular. Mr. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like everybody's got such a different background and it's so it's just not, like if I'm ever you know if they're occupied with things and I'm ever breaking off on like a what I call like a B plot line like my own adventure <laughs> or like a side quest with somebody else like it, I'm never going to be bored because I'm just going to learn like a new perspective from somebody else. <laughs>
album is called Vessel and the Accidentals have been my guest. I know that you've just recorded in the last month or so uh, a mountain stage. You jammed yeah. with Todd Snyder and Kathy Matea. Yeah. Uh, how have you not been featured on Tiny Desk yet? How, how has that not happened? Someone call Bob. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's one of your goals and I know Red Rocks and that mm. I think will come. You're on the right path. You're really doing the right things. Uh, have you thought about maybe a double bill with somebody else from the Michigan music scene, like Michigander doing a double bill with him because oh, he's got so some of his own little cash and you guys can not cash Someone call money. Michigander. Yeah, I no, got him. Uh, yeah, do it, do it, do it. Yeah, no, we, we would definitely love that. I mean, it would feel very right to do anything like that with a Mich another Michigan artist and considering how much support we've gotten from Michigan artists in the past to do what we do. So yeah, please. Congratulations on the new record. And thank you so much for taking time out to visit with me again, and not necessarily in person this time, but we, we made it work. And uh, I really appreciate your time and wish you guys the best and can't wait to see you. Actually, I'm still sad I missed the show. So hopefully there'll be one near me that I can catch that isn't on a day that I have to do something I don't want to do. Mm. <laughs> Let's not go there. Anyway, <laughs> best of luck to you guys. Great to see you. Hugs all around. Hey, yeah, thanks. Thank you, you too. What's the website in case people want to find you? Theaccidentalsmusic.com. All right. Easy enough. Take care, guys. Thanks. Yeah, you too.